What's happening? What's happening? What's happening, blues people? Now, I'm on CST, right? Some of y'all are on PST. Some of y'all are on EST. Let's see who, how, where, why the whole thing. What's going on? I hope you all enjoyed your holiday weekend. Sister, what's happening with you? Hey, now. That's what good dear sister right there. And she is definitely bluesed out. She's definitely of the culture. She promotes, endorses, encourages the culture, the cultural music. How you doing? I hope everyone is enjoying their Christmas, enjoying their Hanukkah and Kwanzaa, whatever you celebrate. Um, us in the pearly home, the Jack Dapper Blues home, the 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 African American folklorist home. As we give pleasantries to the holiday joy, we don't necessarily uh, engage in. Um, particular holiday beliefs. However, we believe every moment is a good moment to celebrate family, tribe, generation, uh, tradition, the most high, of course, first and foremost, as um, some say in the black church. And I mean, in all uh, denominations, if you will, and in and, and, and ethnicities, those who, who believe in the most high, they say it you know, the reason for the season. Um, for us, we we have traditions in our home. Uh, some of the traditions that we have has to do with food and events. So I'm going to give you a little uh, food ways, uh, ritual, uh, event story, if you will. So whether it's a holiday or a birthday, we have particular foods that we choose to eat. Now, of the black church community or, or the southern black community, uh, you know that we have a particular cuisine that we use or that we make to celebrate. You know, and I, I feel safe to say most ethnicities, nationalities, if you will, um, and races have tribes have folk groups and subgroups have particular dishes. Um, I find it funny that for us, the blues people, the the foods that we eat to celebrate is the food that we eat to to when we're sad or sending someone home. Now, depending on your belief system, when we're sending one home, and when I say sending them home, when they transcend, that too can be a celebration depending on your beliefs. So in our home, one of the, and I've told a story to a few uh, friends and, and colleagues. In our home, one of the traditions we do on birthdays is uh, my wife makes fried chicken. Only on birthdays. This is something we agreed to. It was a designated tradition, a food waste tradition that the entire family agreed upon, right? And there was this one year. And my son is like the youngest, youngest son. He always like, yeah, fried chicken, fried. He's really happy and hype about it. As is my youngest daughter. All of all of my children, for that matter. However, this one year, LJ was like, 
ah, no, nah, I don't want fried chicken. I want dad to make his his infamous burgers that he makes on holidays. So he's like, you sure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I get to making these burgers, and they came out great. And our oldest daughter came home from a long day at work. She was, I mean, she was tired, maybe an hour train ride. Those of you familiar with New York train systems during rush hour after work understand, you know, I don't have to get too extreme with the story for you to know. Uh, she had a moment, she had a time. So she came in and she opened the door because, you know, in the building we lived in, when you got off the elevator, you could smell my wife's cooking. So she comes in the house and she has this look. She's extremely confused because she does not smell fried chicken. So <laughs> she walks in the house and says, well, where's the chicken? You know, I've been waiting for the chicken all day. And I said, well, LJ didn't want chicken this year. He asked for hamburgers and she flipped out what are you talking about this is a birthday day and our tradition is fried chicken where's the damn chicken i mean it was hysterical it was hysterical but you know i i tell that story i share that story one in hopes a couple of things if you all do not have a tradition in your nucleus household or in your folk group in your community perfect time. I believe start where you are. I believe start where you are. Create a tradition that you can pass down, that you can enjoy with your people that are alive and then they can enjoy and remember you when you transcend. You know, even think about the traditions that you um, participated in with family members that have transcended. Grandparents, aunts, uncles, stuff like that is why I share that. Um, our latest issue of the African-American folklorist has been being mailed out the last couple of weeks today. And the, the first shipment and this shipment, they were big shipments. I sent some big stuff out. We have the Honorable Dr. Diana Beard Indai as the folklorist of the month. You can actually check out after you read the magazine, then you can actually go to the YouTube page to watch the entire interview with Dr. Indai. Great, 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 beautiful, and extremely at the top of her intelligence, uh, a professional woman, you know, a craft maker, you know, uh, I'm going to give you actually a snippet of our conversation before we move on. You know, I was speaking to, um, I don't remember if she was an archivist or a curator here, and I was looking for something specific. It was a white lady at the um, archival part of the library here, and um, she said, unfortunately, not many African Americans uh, give us things to to archive or hold, so I wouldn't have much, you know. And I walked away saying to myself, initially, it's a shame, but then I had to think a little bit longer. There has to be a reason why black folk 
for the lack of better, and to keep it as broad as possible, don't trust certain institutions with this story. Yeah, because, I mean, the story has gotten distorted so many times, has been told wrong so many times, have been, you know, um, there's so many instances, even within our field, within folklore, where, where that has happened. I mean, there's been great work done. Yes. I, you know, there are folks who have been very conscientious and who who I really um, think have, have done wonderful work. And um, but there's also a lot of distortion and 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 um, kind of getting the story wrong or, or you know, at 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 worst, you know, using it as a way to um, to look at black people, to exoticize. Right. And, and so on. I mean, please make sure when you get the magazine, you read my interview with her. You can go check it out. Uh, the entire interview. Um, you know, she took the time to record that interview with me. She's, she's in Senegal when we did the interview. Um, she's international. And I have to say, one of the reasons why I, she, and most of the people that uh, I, I champion, if you will, do what we do is because the fact that a lot of our, sto- our story narrative uh, has been given has been presented incorrectly for whatever reason. Remember those of you who's who have followed me or uh, watched, listened to my, or read my content, you know that I don't think it's all malicious, right? In some cases, it's a victim of uh, the circumstance of time, era, ideology, and and societal norms of those moments. That doesn't make it right, but it's just a fact, right? Now, so that's why we do what we do. So we can actually put our stories in the proper context, as well as those of you who's follow or follows me know, I believe everyone from every folk group should do that. Interrogate, investigate those documentations of others who documented you to make sure they got the story right where whatever whoever you are wherever you come from okay so let's take a look at some of these articles first and foremost i want to shout out to the wku folk studies graduate program it's been suspended but i love them to death but we have some great articles in here one of the articles in here uh, desecration of historic african-american cemetery in avalon mississippi it was written by valerie turner uh, of piedmont blues um for the mississippi john hurt foundation uh miss mary came across uh some disturbing information she's actually not only come across disturbing information she's dealt with uh, a monstrosity, to say the least, that's going on in Mississippi. Those of you in the uh, Kentucky, uh, Tennessee, Indiana area, and I think Ohio Valley area, who's heard my uh, featured 
story on her for the African-American folklorist. That's on NPR and WKU Public Radio. You heard Miss Mary speak to this herself. You can also check that out in the magazine. We have um, another uh, series to the magazine outside of the featured series, which is the uh, Folklorist of the Month, is Voices from the Past by Ebony Bailey, which is a great series. Uh, you should check out. Um, I, I want to talk about one of the uh, the story that opens the magazine. This is not what we're talking about, but while we're here, we need to get to this and why you should purchase the magazine, why you should support the magazine. Talk about these two ladies, right? The reason I want to talk about those two ladies, first and foremost, Nasha Jolie, uh, interviewed Lady A. Do you all know who Lady A is? Miss Anita. She she interviewed Miss Lady A about the situation, um, her fight to keep her name, something that happens to black artists for years and how white artists try to relieve her of her name. Nasha Jolie discussed that. But and when I say more importantly, I don't want to uh, present it as if that story is not important. What I do or what I would like to do is thank Nasha and her, uh, Nasha Jolie and her mother, Deidre Skinner. They've been humongous advocates for Jack Dapper Blues. Um, both of them passed. Uh, Deidre Skinner was on the board for Jack Dapper Blues Heritage Preservation Foundation. Uh, she was one of the initial board members. Um, and one of the couple of board members that actually went above and beyond for not just the organization, but the vision I have that created the organization. Um, and not even just for the organization, Deidre Skinner took to my wife, children, and I, um, not just our vision, but a person, who we are, who we were, gave words of encouragement to help us get from where we were to where we are uh, today as human beings, let alone as, as uh, professionals in the uh, cultural and traditional arts business, if you will, in academia. Um, she was a Harlem, uh, she was of the Harlem community. Both were, I'm um, going to get to Nasha, her daughter. Uh, and, you know, they firsthand lived the Harlem experience. Um, before I get to Nasha, still speaking of Deidre, who passed first before her daughter, um, my guy, Adam Gusso, who I have on the show often, I was talking about um, him and Satan, uh, the blues artist from Harlem that he used to play with around Harlem, and they did some traveling and did some recordings with. And would you know, Deidre knew Satan and remembered Adam because she was there and she knew all the folks her daughter, Nasha, a writer, uh, a novelist, if you will, and she wrote 
for the African-American folklorists, all four issues. Um, and we worked together at New Amsterdam Musical Association, which is now known as Nama Harlem. And uh, we was working on the play too. And unfortunately, give or take, several months after her mother's passing, Nasha transcended. I, I, I don't feel the need to give you all the, how it happened, but we want to celebrate their lives. And I personally thank them while they were alive for the many things they did and participated in with my my family and I and our organization. Because again, Deidre was on our board and did a lot. And Nasha wrote for us and we worked a lot, you know, on the back end. And uh, I, I just feel... It's a huge loss. So we we want to remember them and keep their memory alive. And speaking of new boards, we're working on uh, we're working on some new things, and we're adding new board members to the uh, Jack Dapper Blues Heritage Preservation Foundation. So just so you understand, right? Just so you know. Again, those of you who are new and don't know, the African American folklorists is an arm of Jack Dapper Blues Heritage Preservation Foundation. And the magazine is distributed through Jack Dapper Blues Heritage Preservation Foundation. Jack Dapper Blues Heritage Preservation Foundation, what we, uh, how can I put it? Well, before I even get into what we are, what we do, one of the reasons Besides having to shake it up and get some uh, new perspectives involved in our mission, um, uh, we're also looking to to incorporate those of the region that we're in, those in Kentucky, those in Bowling Green, uh, and the surrounding regions, because a lot of the work that I'm doing currently is local. Um, and we'll get to that later because, you know, Kentucky, I, I learned some great things about Kentucky. And when I say great things, some, um, the resilience is great. What happened to the black folk wasn't so great. Uh, what happened to the Indian folk wasn't so great. And that's what we're here to do because, again, there's great black folk life. There's great Indian folk life. Uh, and, you know, some people see that there's a difference. but there, uh, it's hard to say. I don't really want to get into that aspect of the story, but there is a large percentage of us that are classified as African American that are really American, Amerindian, Indian, Chata, Seminole, Blackfoot. We can go down the list, right? And and It's, it's, you know, I believe it's becoming more prevalent right now. But more importantly, what we do at Jack Dapper Blues and why it's important. And so just so you understand what we're doing here, we have one more day for our Facebook um, fundraiser. One more day for our Facebook fundraiser. One more day for our Facebook fundraiser. So, 
I say that because right now it's a call for you all to 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 please make sure please make sure you all don't <laughs> make sure you all donate. We need your donations. Right. What am I showing you? Well, this is the importance of what Jack Dapper Blues Heritage Preservation Foundation does. When you speak of black and Indian folk life, along with our music and our educational oral history, folks reach out to me and my organization, which is the Jack Dapper Blues Heritage Preservation Foundation, because we work to be the focal point or a focal point and repository of our folklore, traditional music, behaviors, and everything that goes along with that. Everything that goes along with that. And we do, we we produce multiple um, programs for the sole purpose of documenting our story through the many voices of those who've experienced our story, but also archiving it so it's accessible. Whether it's accessible to um, universities, uh, specifically homeschool students, or if it's being accessible to those descendants of because I get the opportunity through Jack Dapper Blues, excuse me, to speak with people like Mud Morganfield or the late great Joseph Morganfield or the descendants of P.D. Wheatstraw, right? And their story was great because in their story, they were able to get back, take, regain ownership, and then redistribute their ancestors' intellectual property, where others are not able to do that. So this is another space that we find ourselves in because we help or connect dots for that to happen. You know, um, who else? I, you know, I can go down the list of the many people that we we look to raise their voice, raise the story. Or better yet, get the story from the person. One of the things in our space or in our discipline, you know, it is hard for other to get the actual story. It's like it would be hard for me as an outsider. And I, it could be for a black person, a black community, right? But they don't know who I am. They don't know me. They have to build a relationship, right? So what we do is... We have those classified as African-American, or as I like to call it, the blues people. We have these folk, right? Or when I say have these folk, we speak to these folk. We document these folk, or, or these folk document and present it to us. And we're the repository that holds the blues people's story. We're the repository that documents the blues people's story. But in order to do that, we need your donations. 
So again, Facebook fundraiser, our Facebook fundraiser ends tomorrow. So I'm asking, I'm coming on now talking to you about the organization, the great stuff that we do and have done and about to do and share some information, but just to encourage you all to make sure that you actually donate to the mission, right? That you actually donate to the mission because we need you to be, we need your donations. <laughs> we need your donations because your donations help us what your donations allow us to be the repository that we work to be it helps us archive the works that needs to be archived and again we conduct a lot of research interviews and documentation through your donations i recently spent a lot of time in louisiana and in nolens right in algiers and it's, you know it's ironic because this is where my family is from one side of my family is from congo square and I, I, and I mentioned congo square as you see the screen i had the good pleasure to interview a great brother Nolan zone congo square on algiers on glenn david andrews you could uh, follow him on Instagram, which I do, you know, and we had a great, great, great uh, conversation. You can go check in the description to see that interview, right? I was also recently interviewed by a Dr. Kate Lister on her History Hit podcast, Betwixt the, Sh Betwixt the Sheets. I think I said that right. By the way, I just put that donation link in the chat. Um, and she asked me on the podcast to discuss the history of the blues, possibly including the dirty blues <laughs> and the genre's influence on white folk. Now, first of all, that was a great interview and that she conducted with me. Again, the reason why I bring that up is because the work that I've been able to do through your donations, which made Jack Dapper Blues Heritage Preservation Foundation begin to get sustainable footings, that culminated into uh, Dr. Kate Lister's associate producer finding my work. But it was because the donations y'all gave and then the work I was able to do through those donations, the work the team that I have were able to do through, your, through those donations. And we spoke about Man, we spoke about a lot. And here's how that interview relates to Louisiana, or more specifically, New Orleans. 
right? More specifically, Nolens, is because we got into the conversation of Storyville. As always, anytime I speak about the blues, particularly when Nolens, Louisiana comes up, I always bring up Chris Thomas King. And I don't want to say his theory, but I, I, you know, I got quiet because I'm trying to figure out how to word this because I see where he's coming from and I don't necessarily agree based on my studies. And my peoples come from Louisiana and Mississippi, both. But I do understand what he's saying. So I don't want to just say, well, this is his theory because it's not a theory. One. And two, what you're looking at, by the way, is the landscape of Storyville back in the day. Right? You can see the block number and, and things like this. This is the language you you or that you may hear on like a crime drama if you're not like really into um blocks and things of this nature, right? But that's neither here nor there. But Chris Thomas King when discussing the blues, makes the claim, makes the argument, I don't want to say the claim, claim is the, the wrong word. He makes the argument that the blues started in Louisiana, New Orleans to be exact, but Louisiana. Congo Square, right? Which goes back to uh, Glenn David Andrews, right? But Louisiana. He says the blues starts. And then by his definition of the blues, the blues is the play of the French word blue, meaning risque, right? X-rated. Now, why is that important? How does this, and by the way, you can go to Jack Dapper Blues or the African-American folklorist uh, Spotify or Apple podcasts to hear my interview with Chris Thomas King about the blues and its origins in New Orleans. The conversation stems from his piece written about uh, being voted out, not being, uh, not receiving a Grammy nomination for a blues album. That's what predicated this conversation, right? But his definition is the blues blue and it means risque right it means x-rated and then again what why is this important words mean something etymology means something space means something space means something in um the big picture if you will of the word and the use of the word risque uh, burlesque, X-rated. Storyville was the red light district where all the parlor and brothels were. And this is where, if 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 you don't want to say that specific location is where the blues was born, that is fine. That is fine. However, it may not be far-fetched to say that is the location or one of the locations 
I like showing that picture. <laughs> One of the locations that the blues was cultivated in. So, Lead Belly Huddy, he played old time music. He played hold down music, or what some call songster music, string band. You know, that was a black thing. Well, I don't even want to use that term because we're not crayons, but I think you understand what I'm saying. But when he got to Storyville, that's where he learned about the blues. Right? So let's talk about Storyville for a bit before we move on. Because, you know, the district got the name Storyville as a nickname, which uh, it comes from a councilman, Sidney Story, who wrote the legislation and guidelines to be followed within the proposed neighborhood limits. What does that mean? The 38 block area was bounded by... Hmm. His vision came from port cities that legalized prostitution and was officially established on July 6, 1897. Now, we're going to, oh, no, 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 we're not stopping there. There's a couple of things that has to be uh, discussed, right? First and foremost, we're talking about post-emancipation, where the blues takes on a different meaning, because now the blues is, is being uh, participated with and by Free blacks. Now, if I if 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 I now is not the time to really get into what freeman means and how the reclassification works, because to jump ahead a bit, uh, uh, an Oklahoma doctorate and blues musician explains this, but more importantly, Storyville comes to life when the blues takes on a different meaning. It takes on the meaning of the Badman. You can read about the Badman in uh, many books. One of my favorite books is back here somewhere that talks about that is All God's Children, right? And, and a lot of the folklore and legends that come out of the black man that's not taking no stuff from a white power structure, a black woman that's not taking no stuff from a white power structure comes out of this era and you see a lot of that kind of music. And it, it kind of, also we're looking at solo, uh, solo artists and not just um, uh, choral singing, feel hollers, because everybody's not working in unison uh, if you will. Now, for decades, most of this former district was was occupied by housing projects, and the majority of them are demolished. And it's two blocks from the French quarters. Now, I've spent 
many a nights in the French Cold with my family as a little boy, not knowing what the hell was going on, and the young man knowing all too well what was going on. <laughs> but the district was established to restrict prostitution to one area. And it was it was a legalized red light district, if you will, like I said. And and the thing here, which is which is really amazing, is the music that comes out of here, the people that comes out of here, the 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 elite that was in this space. It, it was you know, it's amazing. It's just amazing. But but I want to talk about the. Uh, how do we say this? The Naughty Sister of the Green Book. Uh, have you guys ever heard of the Naughty Sister of the Green Book, which is called the Blue Book? See, we get so fixated on certain things, we miss the, the whole entire thing. Uh, there's a, man, there, there's a, a great gentleman. When I was interviewing him, I was working to get him to say what I wanted him to say and he knew it and he would not do it and he drugged me and I tried to and he just get it and he eventually says to me to get to the truth you got to go in like a blank page not going into something trying to prove your theories correct just going in to try to learn and that changed my entire outlook which got me to this point again this live is about our fundraiser. And if you miss our Facebook fundraiser, I'll also put the link so you can still donate because through your donations, this work is possible. So he tells me, ultimately, open your mind, Quaid. Open your mind, Quaid, so I don't miss anything. And a lot of people, I don't want to say that. What I will say is, there is this, a, a chance, a probability, a strong possibility that some folk that think they know about the blues or New Orleans or all these places may not know about the blue book, but they know about the green book. Now, the green book was a middle class tool, a middle class to upper middle class tool, black folk that traveled. Black folk that had good jobs and cars and homes, right? Again, if you're just joining us, that's Storyville in New Orleans. The Blue Book, they were published in Storyville. These were the guides to prostitutions for visitors. So in other words, if you wanted to know where it was popping at, where you can get your goods, if you will, what parlor, what brothel, what kind of girl, who's playing what and who's playing where, you get yourself a blue book as a visitor of the community, if you will, because it was a community. There's a documentary on Storyville that is like so hard to get your hands on. So this book, right, included prices, house descriptions, whatever services you wanted that was offered, <laughs> right? And there, the, the motto was order of the garter. <laughs> 
Shame on him who thinks evil of it. Do you understand? I mean, these folk wasn't playing. These folk wasn't playing. But guess what? The blues was there. The blues was in Storyville in New Orleans. Um, damn, not Tampa Red. What is I can't uh, I forgot his name. I hate that. You know, but the blue book was purchased for 25 cents. Okay. And it just gave you the information. It was advertisement for sex workers. And where in this area that you can get hooked up, if you will. And it also uh, gave you the categories of black women, white women, Jewish women, French women, or octoroon women. And in these places, again, you will have the blues, right? You will have the blues. Okay? And so... Now, that's not the only place. Oh, you thought it was. <laughs> that's not the only place. That's not the only place. Oklahoma. Now, I showed this already. I, I should have had a piece of this just so I could play it for you. Because Oklahoma, where everyone believes they know the story of Tulsa. I was one of those people, and I found out recently that there was so much more to the story that those of us on the outside or who do not descend directly from these communities don't know. Um, Man, I, there was just so... I, so you can... And it's also in the description because I was able to speak to some good brothers about what actually happened in Greenwood, which is a community in Tulsa. Okay, brother Carlos Moreno and Karish Ali Lansana doing great work. They're doing great work. And you can check them, hear them, see them. In my description is the link to our a live interview, okay? So now, Black Oklahoma Blues. Oh, you didn't think there was such a thing, did you? There is such a thing. And before I ever speak about that, again, the purpose of this and the folks that you just saw, I was able to honor them with plaques for the work that they do have done, continue doing, and so forth because of the donations received by you all. So I went to Tulsa with the American Folklore Society annual convention. And for that convention, I do an annual uh, what's called African-American traditional music history and the black experience, right? In that, I speak with active, what I call black traditional music practitioners, the blues people. And we discuss, the, or, or if not discuss, we put in a proper context the story of the blues people. Okay, this year we were in Oklahoma. So what we discussed was black Oklahoma blues and it was held at the Woody Guthrie 
Center Theater in Tulsa. It was sponsored by uh, the American Folklore Society Local Planning Committee, which includes the Oklahoma State University, uh, the library there, uh, the Arts Council, and, and, and quite a few other people that I met that were great. And I look forward to working with them again. You can also check Jack Dapper Blues Radio.tv, the radio website, the, the archival website, and you can see the article I wrote about this, uh, or the journal I wrote about this. What I did was I placed that in the description as well. Okay, it was also sponsored by the American Song Archives, which is at the Woody Guthrie Center and the Bob Dylan Center. Guess who else sponsored it? Jack Dapper Blues Heritage Preservation Foundation. And that was with your donations. And we worked with, I mean, oh my goodness. We So let's get down to the nitty gritty. Because this was actually the highlight of my year. If, if there was anything for me to say, I mean, there was a lot of things that was great, but this was really great. And I'm going to break down who these folk are, okay? So the topic this year was how Mississippi and Chicago and locations within them are popular locations when discussing the blues. However, there were many regions that cultivated the musical expression. Black Oklahoma. My God, there's so just just that black, just saying black Oklahoma, because there's so many moving pieces to that title. Has a unique history within itself. And the blues birth there is birthed from a style known as Texas Hotbox. Texas Hotbox Blues. Okay, so for this year's panel, I sat with Oklahoma blues folk that understood the not just the story of the blues people, the movement of the music, but the culture of the people and the sections of Black Oklahoma, what it meant, um, geez, the traditions, but also the oral history, what really was going on. So if we go my right, possibly your left, the tall gentleman with, with the cowboy hat is Dr. Harold Aldridge. He does what's called edutainment, right? He calls himself an infotainer, okay? Now, he breaks down that by, 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 by the, how can I put this? Oh, I know how I could put this. I have it in the description. You should watch the panel. Next to him, the little lady there is Miss Selby Minner. She now owns and operates the DC and Selby's Blues Club, which is also part of the uh, DC Minner's Dust to Dawn Blues Festival. She also runs the juke joint in there and the museum on the location, right? As well as the Oklahoma Blues Hall of Fame. Oh, I'm not finished. One of the reasons why I got excited is because Dr. Harold was explaining that once they started um, shortening Indian territory, those that were Indians that were born outside of this territory was called Black 
Negro, and Freedmen's. Ooh, wait a minute. What does that mean? Ooh, wait a minute. What does that mean? Ooh, wait a minute. What does that mean? Blacks born outside of Indian territory. Let me rephrase that. Indians born outside of Indian territory were was classified as black. Copper-colored Indians born outside of Indian territory, particularly starting in Oklahoma, was classified as Negro, was classified as black. Yeah, I stopped because I, I wanted to be dramatic. And the gentleman with the cowboy hat, that's one of the things that he shared. Let me see if I, could, if I have this on my desk. Because he has a, oh, yes, I do. Yes, I do. I have this right here. I hope you all hear me. Because they have, you know, uh, do I have what Miss Selby wore? Oh, yes, I do. Yes, I do. I love it. 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 So here I was able to see the gentleman perform, as did everybody that was in attendance that night. And we had a huge, huge, huge audience. Again, 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 I was able to do a lot of this through uh, the AFS, through those on the ground that helped, and also through your donations. So make sure y'all donate to Jack Dapper Blues. So this, wait a minute, there we go. Am I holding right? There we go. Dr. Harold Aldridge Jr. History of the Blues. Okay, history of the blues. Okay, so I'm going to read this for those who couldn't see. It says, ah, these are the folk that helped him do it. Okay, I thought this was a, he did give me um, a summary of it, but it's okay. But if you notice, dusk till dawn, Blues Festival. So he recorded at the Dust Do He recorded this at uh the DC Minor or the DC and Selby or the Oklahoma Blues Hall of Fame. That's out there. It was a great, it's a great location. Lord knows I plan to go back out there. And Miss Selby invited me to come perform at their blues festival. See, she's not playing a lot of people talk that, but she invited me to come get it in. Same as the folk, the International Folk Alliance invited me to come in. Now, this comes from, excuse me, here's something else. Earlier, those that's been here, we spoke about uh, foodways. So this comes from the Oklahoma Blues Hall of Fame farm. And this is Oklahoma Blues Hall of Fame Cooking with the Blues Cookbook. Now, don't worry, because like I said, I'm going to be back down there or over there to to, to talk with uh, Miss Selby again and the many folks that I was able to, like Miss May, who wasn't part of the panel, but Miss May, you know, there's something funny. I said, so Miss May being African-American, and she said, honey, I'm not African-American, I'm Indian. My daddy told me who I was. She's out there in Oklahoma as well. Now, the the lady, stand, the, the, the brown skinned lady in the leather pants, that's Miss Wanda F. Macon. 
She is the blues. She is the blues. The gentleman next to Miss Wanda, who is next to me, with the fedora on, that is Mr. Walter Taylor III. Mr. Walter Taylor III. He's a drummer, a singer, and he gets busy. Okay? And again, the little lady right there, the fiery little lady, that's Miss Selby Minner. And you all know who that is. That's me. <laughs> and I was able to give these folk they're just do as as folks say now they're flowers because of the donations received by you all this is inside the juke on the farm again that's miss that's dr harold aldridge that's miss selby i forget this brother's name right there the the, the, the hippie looking type of brother but he was very cool and he's always there again you can go to the jack dapper blues dot t jack dot tv to read um what i call my ethnographic journal on the trip and the experience with these good folk is my collage oklahoma blues hall of fame you know your donations go a long way and your donations allow us to do most of these things if not all and again if you cannot make the Facebook fundraiser donation in time, let me know. Reach out to me. I'll give you the link of where you can donate. Where you can donate. Okay? Oh, look at this. This is Miss Shirley Moody Turner. Why is she on the screen? Because she is the next African-American folklorist of the month for the next issue that's being worked on right now. Okay? So I guess I should tell, just so you know, and those of you who's been on this ride for a long time, you know the African-American folklorist is a cultural news magazine that contains articles about traditions, traditional beliefs, the cultural context, geographical locations, music, and vernaculars of those classified as African-American and the role each element plays in the lives of the people past and present, okay? It is a arm, a department, and is distributed by the Jack Dapper Blues Heritage Preservation Foundation. It also furthers the mission of the Jack Dapper Blues Heritage Preservation Foundation by publishing, y'all hear me, by publishing content of and from various black communities that discuss the evolution of our traditions as the blues people. What does that mean? What does that mean? Black Indian, Pan-African, Black Muslim, Black Christian, Black Magic, Black LGBTQ, Black Witch, Black Warlock, Black Minister, Black Orisha, Southern Black, Urban Black, Midwest Black, 
Black Appalachia, you name it. If it's part of the culture, tradition, heritage of those classified as African-American, it will be in this book, this magazine. Now, understand something. And I didn't, oh, black gaming, black futurism, or as they call it, Afrofuturism. The many names that were given to us from the time of arrival, not our arrival, other folk arrival, because we've been here, to now. What's happening? I see ya. <laughs> you know? So, and it's just funny because, you know, you have some people that, I mean, a lot of people don't like the term African-American. I'm not going to harbor on that too much at this point, only because that's not what this is about. I've spoken about this, but that's not what this is about. However, what I will say, all of those things that I just mentioned constitute the African-American culture. So when they say you don't have a culture and you're black American, that is not true. In this magazine, in Jack Dapper Blues Heritage Preservation Foundation presents this information for you through oral history, through folkloristic interviews, broadcasts, it, whether it's podcasts or features, excuse me, videos, whatever, share the story of the people classified as African-American. And it's done through the Jack Dapper Blues Preservation, Heritage Preservation Foundation, with your help, with your help. Now, we also, you could become a Patreon. <laughs> That's the best way to be a member. All right? And that way, every time a magazine comes, you know, it goes right to you because you pay monthly to subscribe. Uh, any any behind the scenes or, or different, whatever programming that is um, specific to our subscribers and members goes to you. Okay? You can also purchase the magazine as one-offs. Right now, I'm direct to market retailing, so you reach out to me. But we're working on a, 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 a system that is reliable, so you can do it through the website. Okay? We also have uh, some new projects from the Jack Dapper Blues Heritage Preservation Foundation. I'm not let, I'm not yet at liberty to discuss, but what I will tell you this is, I'm actually participating in a MIT fellowship through a partnership uh, with WKU and MIT in Boston, okay? And this grants me access and allows collaborations at the new an improved WKU Innovation Campus, which is the central region for ecosystems of art, technology, and uh, entrepreneurialism. Why am I? And, and there's many folks that that are taking part in, in that wonderful location. 
and the wonderful programming there. But the, the, the reason why I mentioned that is because out of there, I, I was able to, some of, there was, some of them was, a couple was birthed already, but we're, we're, we're cultivating some seeds planted to push the work forward collaboratively. And when I say push the work forward, the work of Jack Dapper Blues, if you all are unaware of what the work is, are you actually unaware of what the work is? Because if you are, I'll be so, so, so surprised. Because I think you know what the work is and the work that we do. So we're cooking some stuff up. And, you know, we haven't even spoke about the great folks that we work with, like Mr. Walto, Chief Warhorse, Marquise, as usual, you know, and then the great folk here, like Mr. Michael Golf, Mr. Michael Morrow, you know, um, and I have not even mentioned the Allen County African American Heritage Council, right? Here in uh, Kentucky, uh, Scottsville, I believe. So, you know, we're, we're doing some great things, but again, the work is predicated based on your donations and grants. And we're working and we got a couple of good grants too, but your help will take us to the next level, you know? And I, I can't forget mass off with my brothers, you know, that that is um just that is highlighted on Jack Dapper Blues platform. Right? So we'll speak some more later. But remember, tomorrow's the last day. Get your donations in. Okay? Get your donations in. Have a good night. Enjoy the rest of your holiday and your vacation if you don't have to go back to work. Thank you.